Welcome to the Student of Money podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Niemeyer. The mission of Student of Money is to connect listeners like you to a community of like-minded individuals to help you achieve your goal of financial freedom through entrepreneurship, investing, real estate, and personal development. This is episode 33. Hey guys, I got a really exciting guest on the show this week. His name is Matt Hennick, and Matt has been a real estate investor for the last two years, and he's grown to over 60 properties now, and we're going to find out how he did it. So, hey, Matt, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, really excited to hear about what exactly you did to get to 60 units in two years. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. Happy to be here. Um you know, I got into real estate, like you said, at the end of 2019, um, just really wanted to grow that passive income. So one day can, you know, supersede my living expenses and continue to grow with it. Um, uh, two and a half years I've been doing it, it's just been crazy buying, 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 you know, everything I could, especially uh, rates low um, with money I've saved over, over the last 10 plus years, just being very frugal my whole life. Um, and I've taken on some private um, debt as well. Uh, to help fund um, acquisitions. But let me get this straight. You are 25 years old. Is that right? That's correct. 25 years old and you're already in the real estate game. That's what I really like about that. That's pretty awesome. Uh, so raised in the Chicago suburbs and you currently live in Dubuque, Iowa. That's correct. Yeah. I came here for college in 2015 and been here since. Been Awesome. And so you're still working, you have a full-time job then, correct? So give me a little bit of history about your background. Yeah. So I have an accounting finance degree from Loris College, graduated in class, uh, class of 2019. Um, and then after that, worked at a manufacturing company in Dubuque as a cost accountant. Um, I also interned there during college. Um, and then currently I'm a financial analyst at a software company here in town. Um, just, you know, I, I work a lot, obviously, as you, you could probably assume with full-time job in real estate, but I really love them both right now. Um, so. so with a background in finance, did you know that that's kind of where you wanted to do is say accounting and finance? Uh, yeah, I, I actually went to school. I was going to be a, a police officer. I was a guy, criminal justice major. Uh, very quickly decided that wasn't for me. Went into comp side, decided that technology wasn't for me either. Um landed on finance accounting, really the, the rationale on that was everyone needs an accountant no matter what kind of businesses, smaller, smaller, large. Um, and then after that, I just obviously decided that one day I want to be self-employed and real estate was the way to do it. So do you think you have some kind of an advantage with real estate because of your accounting or, or do you think, I personally think everybody can do real estate because the math is not that complicated. You don't have to be a CPA, an accountant, or an attorney. But does it? Did it? Um, did it sway you? Did it help you? Um, um, yeah, and I actually have that conversation a lot with other investors around the area. Um, I, I think it did. I think my ability to just open up Excel and and you know, like you said, it's very basic math, um, but still just be able to do it quickly, do it often, um, not really think about much of the. Uh, non-number related stuff at first. A lot of people have, um, you know, hard times putting aside a lot of emotions when they're doing um, deal analysis. Um, I, I say if it doesn't work in Excel, it won't work in real life. Um, and it, it's the opposite sometimes, um, you know, and the vice versa that it might 
work in real life and not on Excel, but I'm definitely a numbers guy first. And I think that really helps with the um, acquisition side of it. Yeah, totally. I, I always say real estate is actually just a business pretty much like all others that it really comes down to the ones and zeros and the income statements, balance sheets, and the, the whole thing with accounting. I think some people think maybe real estate, like you said, they might, they might make their real estate investments based on emotion and not the numbers. But if you treat a real estate business just like you would any other business and you make your decisions based on the financial analysis, uh, you're going to be successful and you have to treat real estate like a business and not to get emotional. So when you put in an offer on a property, sometimes you're like, I really want to get that property, but the numbers don't work. And if the numbers don't work, the property is not going to work. You might end up getting into a bad deal. So if you invest using the numbers from the start, uh, then I think you're going to be successful and you're going to find deals. Has that been your experience? Uh, yeah, and I'll actually tell you, I, I bought one that was an emotional decision. Uh, worked on paper. There was a little extra work it was going to need that I'm used to and, and whatnot. I loved the building and I would sell it in a heartbeat at a loss. It's just, <laughs> uh, I shouldn't have bought it. I made an emotional decision. Um, I was fortunate enough. It was my maybe 10th one. So I was able to absorb some of the, the expenses there with other properties. Um, but uh, absolutely, I totally agree. If it doesn't, you know, it's a numbers game. Exactly. It's an, it's a numbers game. Uh, so it says that you, you've got, you've got over 2 million in rental property. Is that correct? That's correct. So how did, how, how did you do it? Because I said, you just getting out of school, landing a job. Did you have a, is your family wealthy? First of all, is you, did you inherit a bunch of money or, you know, what did you do? Um, no. So actually I've never uh, taken money um, as a gift for any of the real estate. Um, I've taken private debt on um, from friends, family, paid back about 60% of it now. Um, that really is what gave me the capital to get into it. Um, and then the last maybe four or five purchases has been just from straight cash flow um, right. from other rentals. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think that's how I got started is, uh, you know, I went out to my friends and family network and what they gave me was debt essentially. So, uh, I, you know, they weren't, they didn't come as partners. We, we signed notes. I paid them interest every month and, uh, I was able to raise 65,000 with friends and family. And I bought about $800,000 in property with that 65,000. And then we just kind of snowballed from there. And then eventually I learned to do syndication or pooling investors money, uh, using true OPM. Yep. Um, so I, have you done syndication or do you have silent partners? Do you have LPs or, or is it yeah, just I, you? It's just me. It's all debt. Anything I've taken on has been uh, private debt. Um, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of giving up equity. Um, I have a lot of people ask, uh, a lot of the people I've given, you know, notes to say, well, let's just convert it and give me 10%. And I said, well, um, I don't want to, um, <laughs> I, I do want to, I think future, I want to get into syndication or, or you know, a real estate fund, something like that. Um, I just, I struggle losing the, the control over my assets. Yeah, I would say that when you do a syndication, you're not giving up control, but you are giving up a percentage of the ownership. So that was kind of a thing for me too, is 
I wanted to keep all that equity. I wanted to keep that. So, and then of course the investors, when they're just doing debt, they just want those interest checks. They yep. just want that return at, at fixed amount every month, month after month. So on the 15th of every month, I write my investors checks um, like clockwork. And I had one person give me 25,000, I think at a 10% interest rate is what I was, I might've started at 12, uh, but that was a $250 check that showed up in their mailbox on the 15th of every month. And they never had to do anything for it. And then of course, at the end of the year, I gave them a 1099 because they had to pay taxes on that. But when I refinanced and cashed them out and gave them their 25,000 back, they didn't want it back. <laughs> they wanted to meet or keep it invested because they were just wanted that $250 check every month. So yeah, they're, look, they're looking at me like, I don't want the money back. Can you just reinvest it? And I'm like, no, because I'm paying you 12% and I can refinance this at obviously like 4% at the time and, and save me money. But, you know, that's how I got started before I really learned about syndications. So I agree with you 100%. I hate to give up equity. I would much rather, and I think people forget that you can do it as either, if you look at the capital stack, you can do it as both equity and debt. There's a okay. double, it's a double-edged sword, but you know, debt is a strong tool, just like equity. Yeah, if you use debt right, it's the best thing in the world. Use debt right. So, and that's exactly, so I, I say real estate is basically learning how to use debt and, and uh, taxes, you know, the tax benefits. So if you can figure out the tax game and the debt game in real estate, you're going to be successful. So, I mean, you've already having $2 million in property that's basically turning every day and working for you. Uh, if you did nothing else for the rest of your life, you would be set. And that's exactly how I felt when I bought that $800,000 because mm -hmm. putting money in a 401k, I was lucky when I looked at it that I might have 400,000, 500,000 when I retired. And in one transaction, I bought $800,000 in property. And I thought if I did nothing else, you know, we're set. But obviously, we're going to continue to buy. Correct? It's it's addicting. It's it's addicting. It's a game. You know, oh, yeah. thought, just like Monopoly, right? Buy four green houses, do a ten thirty one exchange, and do a red hotel. Absolutely. Um, right. You know, I have no no desire to slow down buying. It's just uh, you know, I have a first six months this year. I'm planning to more stabilize. I have ten empty units. Six of those are rehabs. Um, and I just waited till after Christmas and New Year's to list the other ones. But um, first six months plan to stabilize and, you know, start to generate a lot of cash flow and just keep putting those into more until, you know, everyone's got a number they want to get to. Um, and every, you know, when I get to my number, I want to be able to buy a million dollars a year and live off of it. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that works for me. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. It says uh, your lifetime goal is to own a thousand units. And have uh, a low, you know, debt to income or a 50% loan to value by the age of 40. So, you know, that's awesome. It's awesome to have goals. I didn't even, I didn't really start getting into real estate until I was 35. So the fact that you're doing this at 25 is you're going to be so far ahead of your peers. 
and everyone else. So I, I just want to tell you, you're already in the top 5% uh, just by doing what you've done in the last two years. So you're already in the top 5%. 95% of the world, you know, it isn't, isn't even thinking about doing what you're doing. So if you keep going on, you're definitely, you know, I, I did a podcast a couple of shows ago when the, the lottery was extremely high. And I basically said, I do not buy lottery tickets because your odds of winning the lottery is like 350 million to one. Yep. But your odds of having 100 million in real estate is basically 100%. It's 100% going to happen if you do the work and, and learn, what, learn the education and learn it. I would much rather have 100% probability of success than one in 350 million. You know, it's, it's the, one is strictly gambling and it's a long shot and people dump tons of money into buying lottery tickets where as far as I'm concerned, you've already won the lottery. And even if you have a problem or a hiccup, what you're learning is going to get you past that. If you had to start out from zero again today, in two years, you'd be right back at it, correct? I, I'd assume so. Yep, you assume so. You would, you would. I, I, I have no doubt about it. Um, so tell me, what are you doing uh, what are you doing for, obviously I met you at a real estate meeting, um, uh, uh, a monthly, uh, real estate meetup and, uh, tell me a little bit about what you're doing to, um, um, for your, you know, self-education. Yeah. So actually people are always surprised when I tell them this, I, I really never listened to a podcast, never really read a book. Um, you know, like we talked about, it's a numbers game. I'm good at numbers. Um, I didn't start going to those networking events probably until I had 25 units. Uh, my insurance guy had gone, you know, to draw up business for himself and said, oh, you should go to this. Um, and then after that, it just kind of skyrocketed. I bought 25 units after my first meeting there. Um, you know, and two, four of those units were bought were from people I met there. Um, you know, just private sales, make it easy. Um, so, so really, I don't do much. I, I like to learn as I do. Um, you know, I self-manage, um, but I have a maintenance guy, um, so I don't do any of my own maintenance. Um, obviously, I, I work in nine to five um, and then doing real estate semi on the side. You know, some some weeks I spend two hours, some week I spend, you know, 20 hours. It just depends on what happens. Um, so I just kind of learn as I go. I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, and I know I've made mistakes, but I've learned from them and I've paid for them. Yeah, and again, that's going to serve you well. Um I didn't know anything about accounting. I have an engineering background and, you know, I started a business first. I didn't get into real estate right away, but I started a business. And the only thing I knew about accounting was I used to install the software on businesses, computers. So I would install QuickBooks. I yep. installed Peachtree Accounting. Uh, I didn't know anything about numbers and accounting and what an income statement, profit and loss, balance sheet, cash flow. I didn't know anything about any of that until I started a business. And then I was doing my own books. And I have a CPA that does my taxes, but I learned rather quickly through, you know, trial by fire, essentially sink or swim. Yep. 
And uh, uh, I tell this in a story is that there was a time where I didn't file my taxes with the IRS for four years because I couldn't figure out my accounting software. I couldn't reconcile my books. Okay. And so you have a huge advantage in that you have a accounting background and you're in finance. So you are a numbers guy. Now today, I'm very affluent in all of that because I, I've done it for you know 20 years now. So I can take a look at a balance sheet, income statement, profit and loss, all of that, and, and know exactly what I need to do. And again, I make my I make my investments solely based off of numbers. And so when I give an offer on a property, it's solely based off the numbers. Yep. whether that be the rent rolls, uh, you know, all of, all of those things. So, you know, you definitely have a good foundation. It sounds like you're um, very motivated and focused and kind of driven on it. Where did you figure out, or, you know, who did you talk to that said real estate's the game I want to be in? Yeah. So my, uh, so I guess growing up, you know, my dad worked, you know, corporate, corporate job uh, for I don't know, 25 years or whatever. Um, then I ended up getting laid off actually from a large, large uh, telecom company. Um, and ever since then, he's been unemployed, uh, not unemployed, uh, self-employed. Um, and, and prior to that, my grandpa had been a um, real estate broker in New York City um, his whole career. Um, so my, my grandpa will tell you he never had a boss after he got out of the army, uh, which was in, uh, he was in the Korean War. Um, so I kind of grew up seeing the, you know, the corporate America dad and the entrepreneur-based uh grandfather um, and just decided that eventually having a boss wasn't wasn't the thing for me I want to be able to set my own schedule uh, for me this is really more of a um, lifestyle goal um, you know I put numbers on it obviously um, but at some point uh, my passive income will more than double my my w2 um, which will allow me to keep buying and live off of um, and at that point if I don't want to wake up at 6 a.m I, you know, I don't have to, if I want to go away for a week, I don't need to clear the PTO. Um, so it's really just a, a lifestyle uh, move for me. 100%, 100%. It's about lifestyle for me too. Um, the, the time, right? Your time is your biggest resource and your biggest, and, you, and you're, lo you're losing time. I mean, I'm 53 years old and, um, time is my most important. It's not necessarily about money, but by having money that frees up your time, you can buy your time back. And uh, that's why I said, I'll never be a multi-billionaire because I don't have that much ambition and drive to work like an Elon Musk and like a Steve Jobs and where they're sleeping in the office and they have multiple companies. And that's not me. I'm inherently lazy. Okay. <laughs> and I work well, really hard to be lazy and, and, and it comes back to lifestyle. I want to have that lifestyle. And I think people forget that, you know, people get, people start their job or they go through going to college, get a degree, get a good paying job. And then they turn around and say, okay, how much money do I make and what kind of lifestyle? So if I make $80,000 a year, 
that gets you to a certain lifestyle. If you make $200,000 a year, you're going to have a different lifestyle. And if you make a million dollars a year, you're going to have obviously a different lifestyle. So to me, if you focus on the lifestyle that you want to have and reverse engineer, how do I get to that lifestyle? Correct? I mean, that's exactly my thought on it. Yeah, yeah, you almost have to work backwards by thinking about how do I want to, you know, how do I want to live? What do I want to do? And what do people do that live that lifestyle? Because I'm not going to be in the NFL. I'm not going to be an actor in Hollywood. I'm not going to, I don't have the talents and the skill sets to get me to those types of paydays. And everybody wants to get rich quick. That's why they buy lottery tickets. Yep. And the only one getting rich off the lottery is the government. Yeah. So I, I do have to admit, I love buying the lottery ticket when it's above $200 million. I've never won, uh, but it's just one of those nice things you can think about. Um, it, 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 and so that goes back to dream building, right? And, and to me, that's almost frustrating. It's almost frustrating to sit there and with a lottery ticket saying, wow, if I won and became, you know, a 500 million or a billionaire, what would I do with that money? And what you're doing is you're, you're allowing yourself to escape into that for a while, but then of course you don't win. And, yeah. and it kind of crushes you in a way where I'm more motivated at saying, you know what? what would I do with that $500 million? I would do this, this, and this. Well, I'm not going to win the lottery. So how can I get to that number? Do, just where I can guarantee if I put in the work and if I do the, the work, I'm going to get to that. And, and to me, that's more important because those are actually obtainable and they're actually something that, that you can do. And, uh, you know, my number is 100 million. That's where I'm trying to get to is 100 million. And, um, you know, I know that I'm going to get there just because what I'm trying to do is actually attainable and people have done it before me. And of course, I'm following people that have done it before me. And real estate just happens to be that vehicle to get you there. I don't is think hundred million of income or of assets, hundred million in assets, you know, hundred million in assets uh, and hopefully paid off a hundred million. So, because I hate to sell, you know, uh, I'm, I'm acquiring, I'm buying, I hate to sell because I don't want to be taxed. And, uh, so that's the goal. Um, so what, and your goal is, it, so a thousand units, I think a hundred million is right around, I penciled it out. It's uh, 900 and some units. Yeah. Um, so, or is it, yeah, 900 and some, so, you know, very, very similar, to, but it's 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 definitely achievable and and again for for your age you know i expect you within the next few years to be making more money in your real estate that you're going to be able to uh quit your job and uh, a lot of people make the argument to me that i should quit right now and just you know keep buying and i'm doing good at it but there's just uh i'm still at the <laughs> point that i like the security of the check coming in you know two times a month yeah um, yeah, and I, I'm able to dump my all of my net cash flow into more acquisitions. So, um, have you looked at? Uh, can you check the box? Are you a professional real estate investor in your taxes so that your depreciation can off, actually offset your income? Not, uh, not yet. Uh, not I yet. mean, I, obviously, I can take the depreciation expense, but you become, uh, you know, a, a real estate professional. It's, it's all bets are off on what you can can deduct. Um, 
in my opinion, the IRS makes it very hard to be classified as a real estate professional if you have a full-time job with the hours requirement. Because I think, and, and you know, I'm not a CPA, but it's like 50% of your time over certain yep. hours need to be real estate related. And I'm just working a regular, you know, 20, 2,080 hours a year. It's hard to get there. Yeah. Yeah. As an individual, a person, it's hard to do that with a full-time job because yeah, you have to have over 50% of your hours and it has to be over 700 hours. Now, uh, if I quit my job tomorrow, I would be quite be able to Oh yeah. You could do it. So um, that's why I tell people when they're married and they have a spouse, that's the best case scenario is one person's working the job and then the other person is becoming the uh, uh, real estate professional because then your spouse is like, my, I, I don't work, I'm a full-time, but my wife still has a W-2 job and my depreciation offsets my wife's income because I have the time to be a, a, a real estate professional and she doesn't have anything to do with the real estate. So if you're married, that's a good solution too, is one of the part, one of the people could be a stay at home and, and work in the real estate business. And then the other one could be working the job because I say, you always have to have, you have to have a plan to be um, to not well off, but to be secure, you have to have a plan to be safe and secure. And that's your job. And, and then you have to have a plan to be rich. And what you're doing is you're crossing both, right? So Robert Kiyosaki would say, you're working as an e-employee, but you're also on the investor column. So you're crossing over from an E to an S. So a lot of people, when they want more money, they just go get a second job and they're still in the E column, right? So you want to cross over to be a business owner or an investor. So yeah, absolutely, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm going to check back with you here in a, uh, a year or so, and I'm sure I'll be seeing you at the, uh, at the meetings as well, uh, real estate meetings, but um, I'm going to be checking watching you and seeing where you're going. And uh, you know, you're, uh, you're somebody I think that's going to be just explode. You're going to be enough to find a time and uh, you're going to probably end up getting into syndication because at some point in time you do run out of your own money and you have to start, using OPM or other people's money. No, you're absolutely right. Well, we'll get there one day. The, the one thing you and I uh, have in common uh, that you mentioned when we met, you you would never use your personal house to fund your real estate investments, uh, which is something which I've always said. Um, and, and actually, I hope to have my house paid off by the time I'm 27, um, my, my personal house. Um, and I have that argument all the time because people, you know, their house, you know, in Dubuque, Iowa, you had, great appreciation in the last three years, people going out, taking 50 grand second on it. And I'm like, well, that's great. But if your investment fails, you just, you tie it in your, your place where you sleep every night. Um, exactly. And you want to be able to, again, be safe and secure. You do not want to jeopardize your house. So if something does go bad, uh, it's not going to be the house, right? I'll sell a rental right. property, but I want my house completely paid off so that I can sleep and nothing can ever take your, the only thing that can take your house away from you is a foreclosure from a bank, which means they have debt on it. You know, you've yep. mortgaged it. And uh, refinancing your house to take out cash slows you way down as far as, uh, you know, building their equity. So keep your mortgages and your debt on your rental real estate, but pay your house off. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. 
uh, running up against my zoom window again here on time, but, uh, tell me, how do we, uh, any last thoughts? And then also how do we get a hold of you? If uh, someone wants to talk to you? Yeah. Um, so I guess to get a hold of me, my email is Matt at mzhproperties.com. Um, I'm very responsive and always happy to help investors. Um, I, I would say if you're thinking about getting into real estate, buy a duplex. And if you hate it, I'll buy it from you. But I say, that's my line. I say it all the time. Sadly, everyone that I've helped buy their first duplex and, and talked them through the process and given them my tips and tricks, uh, they've never came back to me and, and wanted to sell it. Um, but, uh, you know, there's always a buyer out there if you really hate it, uh, whether it's me or you or, you know, na name a person, you can find someone to buy it. Because um, I think that's a lot of people get stuck on the analysis and the what ifs. And I just tell people, just do it. Um, if you bring me a deal and it wouldn't work, I tell you that too. Yeah. As soon as you put some money down and have some skin in the game, you immediately start becoming more aware and you start looking at deals and you start seeing the opportunities. Um, yeah. Just so, yeah. Don't get analysis paralysis, but uh, if, if, if you're not, don't have an accounting or a CPA background, you are a little nervous, then find a mentor, find a coach, go to the monthly meetings, talk to someone and uh, find someone down the road where you want to be, you know, and, and just do what they did. So the formula is very simple. It's very easy. No, absolutely. So, all right. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for uh, being on the show today. For everybody out there listening, we're going to follow back up with Matt and see how he's doing down the road. But I got a feeling that uh, he's going to be doing, he's going to be, you know, knocking it out of the park and uh, uh, doing well for himself. So I guess I'll just wrap it up here and let everybody know I've got an event going on at the end of January in Cedar Rapids, January 22nd. Uh, it's a Sunday afternoon at the Cedar Rapids Public Library. It's our big, big Eastern Iowa launch event for our real estate investing uh, meetups. And I invite everybody to go check it out. Go check me out on my website at studentofmoney.org. And so I will see everybody next time right here on Student of Money.